and I'm so thankful to have you here. We're in this series called Game Changer, and uh, we've been talking about Jesus. After he resurrected, uh, he met with different people before he ascended back into heaven, and it's honestly been uh, really amazing for me personally uh, as we're just kind of diving through these stories of it's more than just Jesus resurrecting. He did a lot after he came back to life and the people that he interacted with has been so powerful. And we saw uh, in the first week of this series that uh, Jesus was on his victory lap and how he spent hours walking with two people that most of us never know. We just know him as walking on the road to Emmaus. And he spent his time walking with people and Jesus walks with us even when we can't see it, he's there. And then last week we saw how he met with Mary Magdalene and she was given a front row seat, how God gives us a front row seat to be able to experience all that he has for us. And today we're going to talk about this idea of it being game over. What do you do when it feels like life is at a game over moment. I don't know if you're, uh, a lot of you are a lot like me growing up as a kid in the 90s, and I used to love going to the arcades, and one of the things you would do is you would play, you know, different games, whatever, and how you knew you were next, bam, you better put that quarter on that, on that screen, you know, that symbolized you were next. And the thing that I love about video games is that when it says game over, it actually is not game over, because they gave you 10 seconds to put in another quarter, right? And you could continue playing the game. It really wasn't over. And like, yo, and I'm just saying, getting in touch with my heritage, I was like, I'm all about some street fighter. You know what I'm saying? Like had to, had to be Ryu and go out there and like do my thing. So uh, I love that. Because if, if it was game over, the game really wasn't over. But video games have come a long way since the 90s. I don't know if you've heard about this, but the inventor of the Oculus, which is the VR headsets. I don't know, have you heard about this? This is, this is wild. This guy invented a VR headset that when you play the game and you die in the game, you die in real life. This is why, like, you can fact check me. You can Google this. He's only made one. You cannot buy this game, all right? I just want to point that out there. Any of you sadistic people like, I'm going to give that to my ex, right? Um, <laughs> hey, you should play this VR game. You cannot buy it. But it's literally designed to blow up your brain if you die in the game. Like, so I'm just saying, video games have come a long way since the 90s. You know, so I'm like, man, this, can we go back to quarters? You know, can we go back to quarters? That's all I'm saying. Just kind of wild. It's wild. But in life, we have these kind of game over moments, right? Uh, we have these moments where we feel like everything is over. And the reality is it's not over. And some of you might feel like that, you know, it's one of those moments where like you walk in and you get fired from your job and it feels like, what am I going to do next? Like it feels like it's a game over moment. It's one of those where you lose someone that you love in your life and you feel like it's a game over moment. It's one of those where a spouse walks out on you and it feels like a game over moment. You know, for me as uh, a pastor, um, it's kind of amazing because I, I kind of go on this spectrum of emotions with people in our church. And I think about just literally this week alone, all right, going back to last week. Um, uh, as of Wednesday, 
this coming Wednesday, just in our church alone, we will have had three babies that will have been born to people in our church just this week, all right? Three babies in one week. I was in our uh, baby room upstairs just looking. There's like six or seven babies in there, right? Not including the babies that are in here. And it's like, you want to celebrate with these families, but yet then on the other side of that, uh, for instance, uh, you have people that struggle to get pregnant or with infertility or loss. And I think about like today on this day, I sympathize with you because Aaron and I today would have had a child that would have been nine years old today. And so I understand what it feels like when you walk through these game over moments. But the thing I want to ask you is when you go through a game over moment, is it really game over? Like, is it really game over? And that's really where we're going to find our story today with the disciples. They felt like it was game over. They literally just watched their leader be brutally murdered on a cross. As a matter of fact, most of them weren't even there. They were already scared. They were hiding for their lives, waiting in a room. And at this point of where we're going to be at, the tomb is empty. The women said, hey, it's empty. Peter and John already went to the tomb, saw that it was empty. Jesus had revealed himself to Mary Magdalene, and she tells them, but yet um, they're still hiding for their lives. So we're going to be in John chapter 20, and we're going to see what seems to be a game over moment. We'll start in verse 19, and it says, that Sunday evening, Now, what I love about that is, if you remember in part of the series, Jesus was walking with the two guys on the road to Emmaus. It was a seven-mile journey. So it took a long time from when Jesus saw Mary, then boom, he's literally walking with these guys from Jerusalem to Emmaus, seven miles on foot. So this is taking several hours. As a matter of fact, it says, to them, hey, Jesus, why don't you, they didn't know Jesus said, why why don't you stay the night with us? So Jesus, we know, is like in their house having dinner. So it's Sunday evening. And I just think it's really cool that the Bible continues to show like the storyline of where Jesus is at. And it says, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, I think this is Just kind of like, you got to imagine like what's happening here. Like put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do, right? Like they know if they just killed the leader, who are we? We're just the nobodies that followed him. And so they're in a locked room and you lock your doors to your house because you're trying to protect yourself from what's on the outside, right? Like I know all about that. I live on nine acres in a cabin. And before like we put some new siding on our house, it looked like haunted house on a hill, all right? So like we got one light that like shines and at nighttime it's orange. And every time I look out there, I expect to see Michael Myers or something. So I know what it can feel like to be in a place that seems scary and we lock some doors, which is why in the South, I got a shotgun, you know what I'm saying? Come to my house, you're gonna get peppered at night. So they're scared and you can imagine how they feel, right? Like 
they're scared for their lives. They don't know what to do. They're trying to talk about it. Even though Jesus said, I'm going to like die and I'll rise again. And even when Peter and John saw that Jesus is risen from the dead, they're thinking, cool, Jesus is alive. We might not be. So what do we do with our life? So I want you to imagine what this might feel like. It would be similar to something like this. Uh, this is the closest thing I can equate it to, right? So imagine your best friend calls you and it's like, hey, can you pick me up and take me to the bank? You're like, sure. You know, it's kind of weird. Why do like, well, my car is not working. So, all right. So you take them and you drop them off at the bank and you're able to kind of like look in the windows and then you see that your best friend, all of a sudden, they are robbing the bank. And you're like, you're watching this going on like, oh my gosh, like, am I about to be an accessory? And you're seeing everything that took place and then your friend's running out, has got cash and then just runs off. And then what do you do? You drive and you're like, I'm trying to go home and I'm trying to make sure like I wasn't here, right? You're trying to like cover up your camera and you're just hiding, hoping that the police don't ask because you had no idea that that was gonna happen. That's kind of what the disciples feel like. <laughs> They're hiding going like, hey, we don't really know Jesus, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And it says all of a sudden, when they thought it was game over, Jesus just shows up. So I have kind of three thoughts with this based off the experience of the disciples, and it's, and it's this. In the middle of our game over moments, Jesus wants us to experience his peace. When you go through a game over moment in your life, Jesus wants you to experience his peace. Jesus' presence alone brought peace. And you can imagine there for a second, they're literally sitting and, and it just says, he just shows up in the middle of nowhere. Like locked doors and all. Like Jesus like ghosted his way through the walls. Or what, I, like we don't, he's obviously now showing off his fully God capabilities. And he's just in the middle of their room. And I would be freaking out. And he's like, peace be with you. And you're like, I'm not feeling peace. You know, this is, this is crazy. This is wild. But we can experience the peace of Jesus when we go through these moments where it seems like we should be freaking out, when it seems like we should be figuring out what we're going to do next. Most of us miss out on God's peace because when something happens to us, like, I don't know, a lot of guys, maybe a lot of us, we're planning. We're trying to plan what we're gonna do next, right? Plan our next decision, Okay, here are the resumes I need to put out. Here are the people I need to contact. Here are the things I need to change in my bank account. And we're planning, what am I gonna do next? We're figuring out, we're talking, and we don't ever take time to just stop and wonder what God might be doing through all of it. And we miss out on experiencing the peace that he wants to give us. And the disciples are doing this. They're trying to figure it out. And then he shows up. Jesus shows up. Because Jesus, as the prophet Isaiah says in the Old Testament, Jesus would be the prince of peace. The prince of peace. And so when Jesus shows up, that word peace is actually like in Hebrew would be the word shalom. Now, when you hear the word shalom, um, that, okay, cool, that means peace. But it implies so much more than just the word peace. Peace. When Jesus would say the word shalom, I actually wrote this down. It says, may God give you every good gift. May God give you every good thing. May you be totally well spiritually, totally well physically, and in every way receive God's wellness. Can you imagine that greeting if someone came to your house and said that to you? That's totally different than like, 
peace, right? Like in America, that's what we're like, hey, peace. And it means nothing that like what Jesus was saying to them. Hey, may God be with you in all ways of your life. Every aspect, may God be with you financially. May God bless you and your family. May God bless your children. May you be well physically. May you be well spiritually. And in every aspect of your life, may you have God's wellness on you. That's a totally different kind of response. And if someone like said that to me, I think that would be very humbling. Wow. Like, I mean, they really want the best for me. And as you see there in verse 20, as he spoke, it says Jesus showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. So it's like they see Jesus, but it wasn't just a holographic, right? It was actually Jesus, the one that they watched be killed, the one they knew was buried, was now alive, standing there. And uh, for those of you that maybe have heard different things, we have people that come from different backgrounds or whatever, and they try to discredit the death and resurrection of Jesus. When you go and study how Romans would crucify people, there is no way someone would remain alive. And this person, Jesus, now with holes in his hands and his feet and a spear jabbed to the side when his blood poured out. There's no way you come back from that unless you are fully God. And they get to see Jesus alive. And even though Jesus predicted all of that, even though he says there's gonna be an empty tomb, even though all of that, they still needed to see Jesus alive to fully believe everything that Jesus said. This was the exact same Jesus. I love what it says in Luke 24, verse 39. He shows up and he says, hey, look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Hey, touch me. Make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. So can you imagine, like you see Jesus and you're actually able to like, no, wow, like he's real and he's actually there and it was with them. And as a matter of fact, it was like they still didn't believe Jesus had to eat something to prove to them, hey, like, look, check this out. I'm about to eat some food. Do you have any food? I'm hungry. It's hard thing going down there defeating death. You ever like, like uh, sometimes I imagine like Jesus' conversations like, guys, like I was down there, I'm straight up beat up death. <laughs> I came back, I am hungry. All right, does anyone have something to eat? And, and uh, if I was there and it was like the guy walking with Jesus on the road to Mace, we offered you something, Jesus, right? You disappeared. Right, that's just how my brain works, all right? But it was like in this moment, he was there and it was like, he's real. Like he's really here in front of us. And can you imagine Jesus for a moment? He was like, oh, you thought these wounds thought it was over? He's like, you thought it was game over? He was like, nah. He said, flip, flip. Flip game over. No, you th- okay, anyone, someone I, millennials know what I'm talking about there, right? He says, it's all a show, I'm gonna show you, but right, right, anyways, it's, um, it's not game over. He said, I flipped the script and what you thought was game over was actually life. When you thought death was defeated, when you thought death had won, death was defeated and now people can have life. And so Jesus says, I am showing you that what you thought was one thing is actually something else. So it kind of leads us to that second thought this morning that in the middle of our game over moments, Jesus will redeem the loss. 
Jesus will redeem the loss. In other words, his body was proof that what the enemy meant for evil, and you have to think about it, Satan is not all-knowing. Satan is not all-powerful. Satan is not everywhere at all times the way that God is. So as he concocts this plan and he sees that, hey, Jesus has been killed, he thinks he won. They bury him because he knows Jesus was fully man, but yet fully God. And when Jesus was dead and he was gone for three days, he had no idea that Jesus needed to die so that he could bring us life. What the enemy meant for evil, God used it for good. And as you turn it around, I love how Paul says this to the church in Colossians. He says this, yet now he has reconciled you. And that word reconciled is just another way to say he's redeeming the loss. So now Jesus has redeemed you to himself. How? Through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him, God, without a single fault. In other words, we can stand before God blameless. We should be guilty and eternally separated from God. But because of Jesus' death, that result redeems our loss into a win and we can stand before God And it's like we haven't ever done anything wrong. How amazing is that? Jesus literally takes our place, the substitution of his life for ours, but his death would cover the sins of the entire world for anyone that would put their faith and trust in Jesus. They can stand blameless before God. You see, when we follow after Jesus, it's not about the things that we can do do. It's about what's already been done for us. Now, because of what's been done, what can I do for God? And that word reconcile, he's going to resolve it. He's redeeming the loss. So when it feels like you've had some losses in your life, when you've had some game over moments, Jesus will actually redeem those moments. The enemy cannot stop God from redeeming those moments. And those wounds that you experience in your life do not go unnoticed by God. He sees it. When you're by yourself at home and you're dealing with something and you have just these difficult moments, God sees that. He sees your pain and it does not go unnoticed and he will use it. And so what Jesus shows his disciples is, hey, this work has already been done. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to make plans. I've already have it handled. So I kind of say it like this. What Jesus has done for us will always come before what he calls us to do. I think that's where we get it backwards in church sometimes. We feel like I gotta show up, I gotta give, I I have to X, Y, and Z. I have to do these things so that God will love me. And it's like, no, Jesus already did it for us. We don't have to do anything. And honestly, you can put your faith and trust in Christ and you can live a completely debaucherous lifestyle. Maybe we would question, is what you did genuine? But that work is done. You will miss out on all the blessings of what it means to follow Jesus, but that work is done. Like you will forever be with Christ forever, which is 
hopeful for people like me who are just messed up. It's like, man, I'm still gonna make mistakes. We cannot do anything to earn the love and favor of God. He already gave it to us. And here's what's amazing. It doesn't matter what you do with your life. He will never love you more than he already does right now. He will never love you more. He will never love you less. It's already been done. And because it's already been done, there is freedom for us to go, God, now I just wanna give back. You've done this for me. And now I just wanna, like, I wanna live my life for you. And, and God will use you in the various ways that he can in our lives. I love what it says in verse 21, 22. And again, so Jesus said, peace be with you. And he shows them, smiling, and they're filled with joy. And then he says again in verse 21, peace be with you. And as the father has sent me, I am sending you. It says, and he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> They're just sitting there. And all of a sudden Jesus is like breathing on them. He's like, well, okay. Death has done a lot for you, Jesus, right? Like you're just like breathing on us. This is kind of strange. But what Jesus is doing, he says, I'm about to send them. What they don't understand is he's like, I'm about to send you into the world. And I'm about to be gone and you can't do this on your own. So we kind of say it like this. In the middle of our game over moments, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes depending on the church upbringing or faith upbringing you have, you know, Christianity in general either overplays or downplays the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is 100% God. He's equal parts God. He's one third of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus says you have the Holy Spirit, he's saying you have God living in you. I mean, we are talking about a force that is all powerful that lives inside of us. And it says that when Jesus breathed on them, that same word breathed is what you will read in the very beginning of the Bible when it says that God breathed life in Adam. And here's what we know in scripture, that Paul says Jesus was the second Adam who came to redeem the loss of the first Adam and with his breath brought life. So when Adam found loss, Jesus found victory and what brought death, Jesus brought life so that the second Adam can give us new life. And so when Jesus says, I breathe on you, he's saying, you're gonna receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, because this job is too big for you and you can't do it alone. And so I'm gonna give you a part of me that I can't be here physically, but the Holy Spirit can be with you and with every single person who is a follower of Jesus. We needed a savior and God gave us the Holy Spirit, which brings us his peace. The Holy Spirit, when you study his life and when you study about the Holy Spirit, it says in scripture, he's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our advocate. He's the one who speaks on our behalf. And when it seems like the game is over, we can experience the peace. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so many of us are discrediting or overlooking the power of God in our lives because we think we can do it ourselves. And we're in this game over moment. And we're wondering, what are we gonna do next? Jesus is there and he says, peace. I want every aspect of your life, physically, mentally, 
spiritually to be well. I want you to be blessed in your marriage. I want you to be blessed in your families. I want you to be blessed in your life. I see your depression. I see your anxiety. I see the stuff that you're going with in this mental battle, and I am there with you. I want wellness for you. I see the struggle you have in your marriage, and that's not what I have for you. I see what you're doing with your children in the stage of life where it feels like you have no freedom. I see you in that moment. I see you in that pain. I understand that you you don't think you can pay this bill and there's going to be these situations. I see it. And I want complete and total blessing on your life. I want you to experience my peace. And the Holy Spirit's there the entire time. Stop running to other things when you can just run to me. It won't go unnoticed. So wherever you're at this morning, if you feel that it's been game over, Jesus will redeem the loss. And let's pray together.